Hi there, and welcome back. We are kicking off our first class of the year. 2021 is here, and we have a full calendar of events scheduled for you. I just had an amazing class and great questions. I just wanted to give you a heads up that I am using a new laptop, so I was unable to let some folks in. And also I was having some challenges with getting my camera on. So didn't matter. The presentation slides are available. So if you want the presentation slides that goes with this class, I suggest you tune in at youtube.com slash LA super agent. Listen up. I can't wait to see you, hear your questions, and would love to hear your topic suggestions for our calendar. Enjoy. Okay, I said to myself, I better make sure I hit the record button on this. And indeed, oh, no cheating, no cheating. Okay. How are you feeling? Uh, say hi, say hello from a range of one to five. One being, I'm okay. You know, I showed up, I registered for this because Lisa posted it, someone tagged me. It was shared, but I'm here. One being so, so five being I'm ready, willing, and able. I'm excited. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to change my life, my family's life, and my community's life, ultimately changing our nation, right? So I am feeling a six, uh, really a 10, but I am always ready, willing, and able. I'm really excited when I get to do these classes. And so, yes, they're free. I love the fact, I'm so happy that I did ask. I'm so happy. Let me say this, let me say this again. I am so happy that I did ask what you guys wanted to learn. So I came up with some stuff and I wanted to make sure that the common questions are addressed throughout the year. So we do have a schedule list and, and I'm gonna keep those free. I, I just feel like we all should know this stuff and it's important. It's important that we know this stuff. Um, so let me also do one more thing before we jump into it. Here's, it's just so very interesting, you all, that um, I actually have, I have three monitors. <laughs> and it's so funny because to me, you know, I have all this technology and then when I need it to work, it's just like, it's always something. Okay, so today's class, we're gonna be talking about be becoming, right? Become mortgage ready and cred credit worthy. Oftentimes it's because uh, folks jump in and I'll get a call or they're reaching out to agents and you know they wanna go shopping or they start shopping online. Initially, that's what starts this process, right? You know you wanna um, acquire your property and you start looking at online and then there's a property that you may be so interested in enough that you you go for it and you you jump right in and then oftentimes what i see sometimes it's def you're deflated you, you know folks get so deflated because of being told no 
or their application or loan application being rejected um, at, at first. So let me say this. If you're purchasing cash, then you're purchasing cash. There's really, come to the next class when we talk about iBuyers and cash investors um, or ca cash buyers. Uh, but cash is cash. And some people are debt averse, meaning they don't want debt. They don't want to pay interest on money they borrow. So they will save, 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 save. And so they can purchase something cash. Listen, it's perfectly fine. Those are types of strategies. That is a strategy. So it's perfectly fine to do that. Okay. We won't be covering that today. What we're going to be covering is uh, how do we pass the test, if you will, on the mortgage application. And that's important to know. Uh, and here's what, here's why, because listen, um, the top reasons, top reasons. So the data is from, um, it's privy from the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act via CFPB. If you've attended any of my classes, you know that I do talk about the CFPB a lot. That is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that is the industry's watchdog. They oversee, they oversee the banking, financial, real estate industries, and work in hand with those uh, other departments, Department of Real Estate, Bureau of Real Estate, depending where you are. They work hand in hand with, you know, violations, complaints, and so forth. There's also uh, the Department of Consumer and Business Affairs, also a watchdog for people. So write those down, okay? You know, find out where in your area because everybody, you know, this is, um, everyone's from different places. So find out from where you are, whether it's called the consumer, the Department of Consumer and Business Affairs or as CFPB is national, that's uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Google that. I believe they are cfpb.org. Okay, somebody drop that in the chat, cfpb.org. And then there is, I mentioned, of course, the Department and Bureau of Real Estate, where you can look up real estate licensees and brokers and lenders and see what's going on. It's been my part of my business that I do look up the licensees I'm going to do business with. Uh, why? Because it'll usually tell me if they have a track record of doing some shady stuff. Because that uh, if they are found and fined and there are restrictions or suspensions on their licenses, then you will definitely see it and you will it will list what violation they were found guilty of, right? So <clears throat> I'm saying all that to say is because unfortunately, the sad part of it is historically, because um, you know we've talked about or we've seen and we've heard of systematic racism and we do see those disparities in housing and mortgage loan applications because of it. So I wanted to address this as just a quick conversation and a discussion for us of the top reasons home purchase applications were denied based on race. This is 2019 data, so we just closed out 2020. Uh, data is not yet available for 2020. So let's go by 2019. And the reason why 2019 works for me as well is because there was actually an investigation 
Uh, some of you may have heard it that there was an undercover investigation that happened in New Jersey that showed in 2019 uh, communities of the black and brown communities primarily in New Jersey were being steered by real estate professionals. Uh, go figure. And that that kind of, that hurts my heart. It really does. It frustrates me uh, because here we are, 2019, and or 20 at that time, 2019 and 2020, and things aren't really going to change much unless we do one of two things, right? We're expecting other people to do different and change. Or guess what? We empower ourselves with the information so we know how to combat those challenges that we'll run up against. That sometimes someone will look up, will see the name of our application, and they already have uh, those unconscious biases, right? They already have preconceived notions and ideas of someone based on name or based on job type, based on zip code or based on you know where they live. If this resonates with anybody, just drop in the comments. Just give me a one. Let me know if I'm I'm making this stuff up or if I'm, I'm on point. Am I on point? So listen, <clears throat> look at this data right here. I mean, this right here is, <sighs> let's break it down. Okay, so color-coded here, if you can see the screen, uh, blue, dark blue is all applicants. Again, this is in 2019. And they, they put this based on race, okay? Uh, for the Black or African-American community or applicants, I would say it's that beautiful teal blue, one of my favorite colors. Look on the chart here. Let's look at the debt to income ratio. And for the Hispanic white, which is interesting, it's Hispanic white, which is uh, royal blue, and the Asian is pink, other minority non-Hispanic white, okay? So... Look at these numbers, debt to income ratio. Interesting for Asian, they were denied because they had a high debt to income ratio, carrying a lot of debt. So when I look at this, right, they're just, they're, they're, they're way above all other applicants. And then uh, the black community, and then you have Hispanic white to follow other minorities and then the non-Hispanics. But here's what's interesting with, with when I look at this chart for the Asian community, and it says it's superseding there, uh, everyone else, the debt to income ratio being high, and look at the credit history, they're not being denied for credit issue, right? So they're, they have access to credit, they have credit. And so the challenge is, is managing the credit, right? Meaning they are acquiring a lots of lots of uh, loans, if you will, lots of loans. So that's why we see this number head up. Look, all this stuff is connected. You know, everything here is connected. Um, collateral, collateral is twofold. And, and I'm gonna give you some tips on that. Uh, ways to increase collateral, and that's basically assets. One of the things that we are talking about here is, uh, you know, acquiring property as an asset. And that asset, when you mortgage against it, right? And that's, if you've ever played Monopoly, remember when you play Monopoly, if you've ever had a chance to play Monopoly, you purchase, you go around the board and you're paying cash for it. And then if you come up to where you're 
property rich and cash poor and you land on someone else's property, you've got to pay them, but you don't have the money. What does the rule of monopoly says? Turn your card over and mortgage one of your properties, right? Turn the card over and mortgage the property. That means you are using that property as collateral to access loan or debt. You are putting debt against that property. This is so important when we come back towards uh, the calendar year, when we talk about notice of defaults, meaning you are signing up and agreeing that, hey, I'm going to borrow this money. And in that, in that agreement of, of the loan and, and the note, it is specifically called the note, promissory note or note. In the note, you are saying, in the event that I don't pay you, you can take the collateral and sell it to recover the money that I owe you. No more and no less. As a matter of fact, I got a phone call yesterday from one of our elders, 80 years old. She feels she was improperly foreclosed on. She owed $6,000. The total loan was 76,000. The house was worth um, a little bit over 300,000. It was auctioned off for 312,000. And they are reaching out to her. There's tons of people who offer services. And by the way, if you want to know, you know, that is that is a business or income stream. It's finding people who are being foreclosed on and assisting them uh, in act uh, in in recovering the surplus. So in her case, she would have a surplus of she owed 312000 the debt was, let's say, 70, 77000 She has a surplus of 235000 that is sitting uh, in a recovery account for her. This happens a lot because most people don't know. They don't know the rules of foreclosure. They don't know that, no, the bank doesn't keep everything. The bank keeps what is owed to them, and they owe you the balance, all right? Share that information with somebody because somebody needed to hear that. I am certain somebody needs to hear that, especially uh, as we are going through this uh, pandemic and this global crisis where we will continue to see uh, what right now the numbers of foreclosures are low because of the moratorium. But um, from my mouth, this is a, a, a very false and inflated market, which is why I want you to be very strategic about planning in uh, acquisition and more acquisition to come okay and by the way this is interactive okay you don't have to just listen to me i'm just going to keep going so here we have based on collateral credit app the credit application is incomplete unverifiable info insufficient cash and employment history so everybody's up you know so the so the big reason is the debt to income ratio and that's not uncommon because we are in the united states and as we've seen it as we see and we know, um, the U.S. carries lots of debt, all right? So if you're new to me, welcome. My name's Lisa, a little bit about myself, and I'll just go on. I just wanted to share a little bit of the brands and the logos that you may have seen across my platforms or across my collaborations. Um, I am an active real estate broker, been a professional in the industry since 2006. Um, I'm national and internationally sold uh, author, uh, meaning I have multiple books, and I'm I'm excited to say that I'm on track to release uh, because of COVID last year and a whole bunch of exciting things, including um, being married, but also dealing with death in my own family. 
uh, I slow down a lot and I took time for me. I do speak and train at local and national conferences. I'm a member of various boards. I've been a past board member for different local real estate boards. I do hold the official United States trademark registration to super agent. So I don't say that lightly when I say it's super agent. I do own that trademark. And it's because of the work that I do for the youth community. I am actually the first person in the country that teaches real estate to the youth and young adult population by way of a very uh, specific real estate curriculum. I did see a couple of you were asking for those classes. You got it. <laughs> you got it. We'll definitely bring that. I just finished two cohorts with another collaboration. Some of you had missed that cutoff. I, they're going to do it again in spring, but mine is very focused on real estate. When I collab with other organizations, they're putting a whole bunch of other boot camps or information together, which I think is great. But if you want something that's real estate specific, then um, just continue to rock with me and just you know stay in touch. Um, I am a senior residential real estate specialist. I do have a heart for the senior community. I've been featured in print and radio uh, nationally creative, all kinds of fun stuff like Ready, Set, Real Estate, the podcast, now the training and educational uh, uh, classes and clubs. Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation was our nonprofit that we've now transitioned to the Ready, Set, Real Estate Youth Club and on and on and on and on. So you formerly may have remembered me as Lisa Porto. I am newly married and I, you will see um, me show up as Lisa Gillette. I share with my husband that I keep a razor sharp without the E. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> going forward. Okay, so today's agenda, this is what we're gonna cover. There is time for Q&A at all the time, so you don't have to wait till the end, you can jump in here. So today's agenda, we're gonna review the reasons for denial. We're gonna talk about managing your credit, types of home loans, and how to calculate, calculate and accurately calculate, calculate your mortgage payment, okay? So this will be a good time to take uh, a few minutes to make sure you've got everything together because uh, I really want you to make sure you, you take these notes, okay? I'm going to switch, uh, switch um, panels here and go through here, boom. All right, number one, reasons for denial, the debt to income ratio. Okay, so let's we're, write the formula down and I, we're gonna calculate an example together. I want you to do this math together. We are going to do the math together. Uh, to calculate the debt to income ratio, see this is a number, this is a qualifying, when you hear that term qualifying ratios, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about the front end ratio and the back end ratio. Today, you are going to leave this class knowing what those ratios consist of. And it's literally stuff you already know, right? You, you know what your bills are, or you should know what your bills are. And no shade if you don't. This is why you're here, because it's about tracking it. It's about accountability. Because sometimes when we're earning money, we're signing up and subscribing and paying this and doing that, and we lose track. But the key thing is, when you are preparing to apply for your home loan, your mortgage application, there's some things I need you to do before you do that. Sometimes folks jump in just blindsided and don't have a clue. And so I want you to be prepared, better prepared 
Why? Because one out of 10, we had a handful, we have a handful of registrants um, for this class. So it, based on that number, one of you, one and a half of you, maybe, right, one and a quarter of you, <laughs> whatever that means, will be denied. So my goal with this class and this information, because I'm expecting you to go out and you know, share this information and empower other people, right? So each one teach one, each one reach one. Share with others this information so that we decrease. We don't want our tribe, our group to be that one that's being denied. And you know what? It's not the end of the world if you're denied. <clears throat> I have had clients that's denied and guess what I say? Find another lender, do it all the time. Find another lender. If you know you've done everything right, find another lender. And if, if you're denied, ask them, why was I denied? What can I do to improve? You ever uh, apply for a job and they say, hey, you know what? Um, we really like this, that, and the third, or we're going to go with someone else. They choose a different candidate. And they tell you this, right? Or if you've never heard it, you can actually ask the employer, hey, what can I do to better improve? my chances of being brought on board with a company, right? Ask them, what was it that you're looking for? And sometimes they're saying interviewing skills, right? Or we need more work history, you know, whatever it is. And the lenders will tell you, we need more income. We need longer work history. We need you to pay down the debt. They will tell you. If you have a lender that doesn't tell you, you got a big issue, <laughs> okay? So the examples of the monthly debt, oh, excuse me, the formula, I love formulas. We do simple math in real estate. I don't do complicated real estate. Uh, most folks will try to bring some complicated deals to me. And if I can't like express or, you know, someone tells me something and I can't explain it back to them, it's too complicated. If I, I mean, it, real estate really is, it's just that simple. It's, it's a game of numbers and it's understanding what you need in order to get your foot in the door. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's your monthly debt payments divided by monthly gross income. So there's going to be a smaller number. It should be a smaller number divided by a larger number. A smaller number divided by a larger number. Write that down. It's your monthly debt payments divided by monthly gross income. Gross, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, refers to before taxes are taken out of your pay. The after taxes is called net income. You have gross income and you have net income. This formula for the debt to income ratio uses gross income. There are times when we will factor in net income <clears throat> and that's when we're discussing investments. We'll get to that, not today. So examples are your rent or mortgage payments. You may already have a, a mortgage payment. You may already be here and um, you definitely can purchase more property even if you already have an existing loan. They have specific programs for that, that you can do that. And there's strategic ways to use the first time home buyer loan um, to buy income property 
and still buy more property using a conventional loan or some other type, types of loans. So yeah, let's just be strategic. You've got to lay the plan out, um, which is why I recommend if you can go FHA, uh, go FHA route to purchase income property and then do the FHA for about a year to three years, maybe sometimes five years, depending on the market. And then have the tenant help you pay for your dream home or more property. It's a house hack, just house hacking. That's all we're doing. House hacking in various ways. The other, exam, uh, other example of um, expenses is student loans. So you have student loans and personal loans. And then auto loans, credit card payments and child support, alimony, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all know your business. Y'all know what y'all running up. You know what your expenses are. Any questions on this part so far? Debt to income ratio, because this is an important, this is a big deal. You know, this is, as you saw on that chart, one of the main reasons that applicants are denied. And we've seen it based on group. Some folks are carrying too much debt, not enough money. Not enough money to last them through the month. Yeah, Tamika, absolutely. Can you speak? If you can unmute, that's just weird on my end. I've got a weird view, but please unmute your mic. Go ahead if you can. Let me see. I don't think I've got anyone locked. Okay. Hi, good morning, good afternoon. Can you hear me? I can. Wonderful. Go for it. Hi. So I have a question in regards to the student loan um, debt. When, when you're calculating the debt to income ratio, are you taking the uh, monthly payments or are you taking the, the total, I mean, of course not the total full loan, I'm assuming, but that is the question. What amount are you using to calculate this? That is an excellent question and here's why. I'm so glad you caught that. Um, because here's a new rule about that. And, and it, it was designed to get more borrowers with student loans, right? Because we know there are many people that have student loans. So there's a new rule about that. It used to be they had to factor the entire loan against you know, your debt to income ratio, but um, policy was written and they said, you know what? We are only going to count the monthly payment. So if, if you, by the way, to that question, do not apply for a home loan if your student loan is in deferred status. Okay. There was so a short you, window where they would allow it. They would allow it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a few people in and we, because they were calculating the entire loan back then, we, we were recommending put it on deferred status, it doesn't count. So now we have to count it, or I say lenders now have to count it. So now we say, hey, set up minimum payment. If it's 25 bucks, that's what the lender has to use, 25 bucks. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, let me just make sure that I that I understood that because I lost you just a moment. You stated do, that you recommend that you do not use the deferred yeah do not apply for a home loan if you are in deferred status okay okay so the other route would be to set up a monthly payment in hopes to get a reduced amount so that that reduced amount will be the amount that they use to factor in the debt perfect that's okay. correct 
All right, thank you. Yeah, that was a great question. And see, this is why, you know, when folks call me about, you know, how do I do it? Same thing with money. We're gonna talk about that when we talk about cash, um, not enough cash. And there's this thing called seasoning that the lenders are looking at. We wanna make sure you're prepared. That money's gotta be seasoned. So great. Same thing with child support. So let me let me bring child support and alimony up as reasons for denial. <clears throat> Not only for reasons for denial, um, and so child support is just an expense listed here, right? Whether so, say you you know you you're supposed to pay alimony child support, but you're not, and you don't disclose that. That's fine. Life goes on, but guess what? When you actually get into escrow, please write this down. There is a form called Statement of Information. Statement of Information. And you as a buyer and even as a seller are required to complete this information. And what is being checked is what is recorded against your name. If you owe on IRIS, the IRS, they want their money off the top. If you owe any state or local agencies, they want their money before you are able to transfer clear title, meaning transfer the property into your name or out of your name. You got to have that stuff paid up. And it could be a basis for a deal killer. I've almost had two deals killed um, by child support and the other one by alimony. The good news is the child support one was not my client. And this is why it's important when we talk about managing your credit that that information is accurate. Because if you have a very common name, guess what? When they run that name search, they pull everybody up. This is why they ask you, did you live here? How long did you work here? How long? Because they have to check that information against all the names that they come up with. And some people owe money and lots of it. We have to make sure that's not you or if it's you, we need to clear that stuff. We need to clear it up. Any questions on that before I move on? So that, that's a big deal in terms of statement of information and thinking you can get away with it. So I ask upfront, I ask the hard questions of my clients, even if you're coupled up or you're married or whatever your situation is, I always ask, because I don't know people's business. I get to be the professional and the neutral party. And I ask the hard questions like, do you have child support? Is there alimony? Because sometimes couples will be together and they don't ask and they don't know. They find out when they sit with me. <laughs> they find out. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. I have a question, Lisa, before you move on, please. Go for it. Um, for the statement of information, is that something that's only available to the lenders and the agents? Or is that information that the borrower can request on their own as well? That comes through escrow. So it's not something we generate. It's not something the lender generates. It's generated in escrow and it's attached to the title insurance. Um, that stuff is also just, it's like US Patriot, Patriot Act stuff uh, that they need to protect themselves, that you are who you are because you are transacting uh, in the United States and you could present it as social security number and this identification so it's to also make sure and verify identity. Okay. 
So that, that can only be, so what would you request? I mean, just out of curiosity, if you had that couple, you had that situation where they, you know, I would hope no one didn't know, but if they don't know all of their debtors or anything that they would have, what would be your recommendation prior to getting to the point of the escrow? What would be your recommendation? So, you know, when consulting, <clears throat> when you're sitting and consulting with someone and you're having that conversation, and let's say they don't know, um, I would only do it if someone says, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, so there's one or two ways you can verify that information is um, check what's reported against the credit report. And then through relationship with escrow, we can have it ordered. Um, and it's a statement of information, but it's not because it's a title search. It's not something you're just going to go do on everybody. Um, you want to make sure that you give yourself enough time to check out that information uh, during the escrow period. And that, that's also the, in what I would say, the due diligence period. Okay. So it's still covered. It's not going to be like, darn, we found this out. We're going to lose our money. No, it's part of your due diligence period because it will be a basis for not getting that loan. And your loan, if, if it's written properly in the, in the purchase contract, is written as a condition or also known as a contingency meaning if you cannot get the loan, then you don't get the home and nobody's going to obligate or force you to purchase that property. Okay, very well, thank you. Absolutely, great questions. Okay, so let's talk about these qualifying ratios. Very important um, to know. And th this is just the math that we just weren't taught in school. And I think we do need to know this because if you are working on managing your credit, your finances, and you're just on the road to wealth, okay, and that's just overall. It's just important to know what you're, what's coming in and what's going out. So the front end ratio is what they call it. And when, we, when I say they, the lenders, the financing industry, they are looking at front end ratios uh, being at 36% or lower. And one way I do this is the easy way is take what you make and divide by three, right? Your gross monthly income divide by three. That gives me a rough, that rough estimate without taking out my calculator. When someone comes to me and I just ask them how much they earn, I take what they earn, divide it by three, and that's what their mortgage payment should be. But then when we talk about front end ratios, we have to calculate a qualifying ratio based on the mortgage payment, property taxes, homeowners insurance, homeowners association dues, if applicable. So if you're purchasing a condo or townhome um, in developments, they normally have what is called an HOA fee. HOA fee. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. And some of the HOAs will include, it's a monthly fee and it's not included in your mortgage payment. Please make a note of that. It is separate. It is paid directly to the association. They will normally have a management company uh, manage their uh, accounts and they, you can set up an online uh, account and pay it directly. If you don't pay your homeowners association dues, they can record a lien against your property and it could be grounds for foreclosure. 
Will they? Not likely, because if they foreclose on you, they would be responsible for also paying off your loan. So not likely if you owe them 6,000, they're not gonna foreclose on you or even want to spend the, the cost to foreclose on you to recover $6,000 if you owe 150,000. That's just simple math. It's just not gonna work. Um, I, had, I had a similar scenario about two years ago. Um, a client owed the HOA and she proceeded to sell, she went ahead and sell the pro sold the property just to kind of get out of the debt. Uh, there was just so much debt that this person incurred over time. And it happens. So you've got to be mindful when you are jumping into uh, purchasing. And just because you have the property doesn't mean you start running up the credit card bills and loans and you know you living it up. I see that all the time. That's scary. So front end ratios, you, once they factor that in, um, you want it at 36% or lower. And so again, it's the mortgage payment that it's called the housing expenses. And it's great for you to see it this way is because when you are thinking mortgage payment, you probably don't realize that there's also property taxes, which is not part of the mortgage payment. Your mortgage payment, please write this down, is your principal plus interest. P-P-I. This front end ratio is factoring in what is called the P-I-T-I and includes the homeowners association if applicable. The back end ratio is the total monthly obligations, all your monthly expenses. You know what those are? And the lender is pulling it from your credit report. So if it shows on the credit report, that's what they're documenting. If you want to budget properly and accurately and something's on your credit report, but you know you have some unsecured type of loan that you're committed to paying and it's not showing up on your credit report, you may want to factor it in for yourself, but they won't. They're pulling what's on your credit report. So that, that's the total, housing expenses plus the mortgage payments your credit card bills, your car loan, child support, student loans, alimony, and any other revolving debts that shows on a credit report. And then while these ratios should be at 36% or lower, this is how our, how our country gets in trouble. What do they do? They allow these ratios to be high as 50%, depending on the loan type. So what does that mean? If your ratios are as high as 50%, that means you could possibly be one paycheck away from being homeless. That's the strain that sometimes people put themselves in because they don't understand these ratios. I've seen high as 43%, 44%. Um, and that's the lenders, they'll change those numbers, pay some stuff down. They're gonna ask you, hey, are you getting, you know, what do you, do you have a, a income on the side, a side hustle, can we use that? Because they're trying to get these ratios to where they need to be, qualifying ratios. Any questions on that? Okay, cool. Yeah, this is, the ratios is the tricky part and this is essentially called being, you have too much debt at 50%. Um, I usually don't recommend this right here at that 50% mark, just do something else because I, I don't want to be responsible for putting someone in a home they can't afford. And that, that's really what that is. Um, 
that's not a healthy number. And I, and I'm, I have to say that really in, in full transparency, 50% and up, depending on the loan, I've seen 53%, depending on the loan type, you know, that's not a healthy number to be. So if you see that they say you're pre-approved and your ratios and you see anything close to 50% or reaching up to 50%, I suggest that you pay some debt down. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Thank you, Tamika. Says great breakdown. All right, it's your turn. Let's do a quick math. Let's calculate it together. James earns thirty-eight hundred per month. I'll give you some time to do it. So James earns thirty-eight hundred per month working two jobs. He has eighty dollars a month in student loan payments. Rents a room for five hundred a month. He makes the minimum payments on two credit cards, totaling $50 a month, and a car loan with a monthly payment of $240. Calculate the debt to income ratio for James. How's it looking for James? Give you a few minutes there. There's 3,800 coming in. How much does he have going out per month? We already know how much he makes, 3,000 coming in per month. We can assume that's gross, so that's his gross. Two jobs, 3,800. Then he has a student loan, he's renting a room, which is cool, right? Not taking on too much housing debt because he's saving and making his way to home ownership, doing what he's got to do. Sometimes that's what it takes. And he's making the minimum payments on two credit cards totaling $50. And he's got a car loan. And his monthly payment on the car loan is $240. I didn't factor in his insurance, but that's okay. Let's use this number here. So what percent did you come up with? His debt to income ratio. So we're gonna take the small number the small number, and we are going to calculate 80 plus 500. Whoops, go back here. Where's my annotate? So 80 plus 500 plus 50 plus 240. All right. So we have now, that's what, how much? 870 monthly expenses. And then we divide that by 3,800. Is that what you guys did? Divide that by 3,800. And what did you get? 3,800, excuse me, 870 divided by 3,800, 0.23, yep, 23%. So he's at 23%. This is debt to income ratio. And where do we need to be below 36%? All right. Front end, 36 or lower. 
back end 36 or lower. Debt to income, 23%. So he's good so far, right? And that was just a rough. I just want you to, you know, practice that. Get in the practice of doing that, okay? So we talked about debt to income ratio is a reason for denial. The next one is credit history. Oh, this annotation stays on my screen now. <laughs> it's clear. Great. Credit history. Very common, not having enough credit history. So news flash. Did you know right now you can access free weekly reports through April 2021 for free from all three credit re uh, uh, report agencies? And this is the only true website that is federally mandated to give you your credit reports for free. If you are unaware, annual, annualcreditreport.com allows you to access your credit report once a year for free from all three credit bureaus. If you're new to credit, there are reporting agencies and there are three of them, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Yes, you can probably go to their, well, not probably. Yes, you can go to their websites directly and uh, create an account, oftentimes subscribe, sign up and pay. But if you go through annualcreditreport.com, it is federally mandated that you access this information for free because it is important that you know what information is being reported about you. You see what it says here? Authorized by federal law. And right now, because of COVID, you can get it for free weekly. So some of you who are a little bit, might be obsessive about checking, hey, now you can just do that for free. I saw someone made a comment and said they were paying. So if you wanna to continue to pay, that's fine. Uh, I've not ever paid for my credit reports. If you want to uh, know what your score is, they do charge you, I think nine, <clears throat> it's like nine, 9.99, it's like 10 bucks. And they will do what is called a soft inquiry. So hard inquiry versus soft inquiry. Hard inquiries is what a lender does or any creditor who is running your credit. I love it. I feel that to me. She says, wow, I did not know that's free until April 2021. Go share the wealth now. Spread the word. <laughs> Spread the word. You, you know, I always bring it. You know, this is every time you sit in one of my classes or I have something to say and open my mouth is I want to drop the gems that most people either are not privy, not paying attention, or just don't know. It's okay. We'll forgive them. This is why Super Agent is here. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> continuing on with credit history, uh, let me see if I wanted to make my mention about credit history here. Now, we'll talk about managing it uh, when I talk about managing credit. Let's continue with uh, reasons for denial. Collateral, collateral. So now the property. The property, as I said, is the asset that's being used as a collateral for the loan. The lenders care about being paid, okay? They're in the business of loan and compound interest. That thing called time value of money, yeah, that's what matters to them. You want the property. 
They want the interest plus their principal. Okay. So sometimes reasons for denial is the collateral itself, the property. So in this example, which do you think would be denied a reason for denying? You found your dream home. You said, you know what? Listen, this is it. Property A, property B. I tend to say the uglier the home, the better. <laughs> That's my rule of thumb. But for most people, they want to move in turnkey ready. And um, oftentimes you'll pay for turnkey. And that's just the difference, right? I've been in this business long enough. And I mean, I it's just the, the art and the, the, the experience of creating something, beautifying it and, and bringing it back to life. So which one would be a reason for denial? Property A or property B? Hmm. Let's look at property A. Attached garage, two-story. It's a landscape, right? Needs a little paint. Looks like there's peeling paint. Looks like it's going to need a roof. It's got a chimney. Don't know the condition of the chimney. But from what you see, right? Because oftentimes you are searching online. You're looking at this stuff. And you, you're choosing it. You're saying, I, I want this one. Property A. Or is it property B? Turnkey moving ready, looks in great condition, right? But just, just at a glance, I can tell you that property A is going to be denied. Why? Because of the condition of the roof. And depending on the loan, you have some peeling paint. That is health and safety hazards, which is grounds for denial. If you see something like property A that needs work, you should be applying for a rehab loan. Same thing like an FHA first time buyer as most people understand it as the FHA insured loan or the conventional uh, loans by Fannie and Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac call home ready and home possible those loans, they have rehab loans. So just make sure your lender and your broker and or agent knows how to get this deal financed and closed. Don't use a regular FHA conforming loan to buy a fixer upper. It ain't gonna happen. Don't use a VA loan to try to get property A. It is definitely not gonna happen. They don't play with our veterans. There are a lot of strict guidelines on VA loans. They're great loan products, but they do not. It, those loans are designed to protect the veteran borrower. And so uh, they're not gonna play with you. It will be denied, okay? <laughs> Lisa, what was the other name? Um, you said Fannie Mae, and what was the other one? Freddie Mac. Those are, they're called GSEs, Government Sponsored Entity Enterprises. And here's what's important that people should know, and I'm going to just share this with you as well. Um, GSEs are the ones that are protected during this moratorium. And what I mean by that, if homeowners uh, are not able to make their mortgage payment, and this moratorium is a national moratorium that says, hey, you won't be evicted, they're not going to penalize you, they've got to offer you these forbearance or property retention options, 
It only applies to FHA insured loans, VA loans, USDA loans, loans that are owned by Fannie and Freddie Mac. And that's about 36% of the loans nationwide, which means everybody else, those rules don't apply, which is why the phone call I got yesterday, uh, even though they were supposed to put a halt on foreclosures, they foreclosed on her uh, in October, 2020. The moratorium for foreclosures is through December 31st of 2020. There has been some extensions um, that this current administration has already been putting in place to March. And this is why I say this is a false market. We're kicking the can down the road is because there is a population of people that are in default, but we don't know that number. We don't see that number yet because of the moratorium. Oh. oh, thank you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Reasons for denial. Can you believe it? It's something as simple as your credit application, not completing it accurately or, in, or complete. So I'm going to, I have everyone uh, who signed up, you are going to get an email. And oh, I love this. Wait a minute. I'm going to drop the file in here for you and you're going, I want you to review this. This is homework for next time. Uh, I trust you'll be back next month. We cover our next class. Um, I always give you something to review and take a look at. So boom, let's see. Perfect. I dropped it in the chat. It's a copy of the Uniform Residential Loan Application, also known as the 1003. I test my kids to know this uh, form numbers. They are to know W2, 1099, 1040, uh, 4506, and the 1003. Yes, you need to know those numbers. <laughs> you need to know those numbers. It's not the lotto numbers. Woo, it was a billion dollars last night. Maybe I won. <laughs> um, you need to know the numbers. So. It's just something as simple as not completing this out. Let's see if this opens up for me. Will it be nice enough to do that? Okay, wonderful. I love it. Love it when a plan comes together. This is what it looks like. Let's do this. I'm not gonna make it bigger. Okay, so here's what's important about this. It's URLA. Uh, or the 1003, five pages. Freddie Mac, um, this is Fannie Mae form, but it's commonly used in the industry. So you definitely should see this form because this, this is like giving you the answer. I mean, I think most lenders should give you a copy before and say, look, I need you to review the questions so you can provide all the answers. So I'm giving you the answers. So this type of it, and this, and you, you've got to report accurate information. If you do not, it is um, a violation of law. You know, um, if you are not reporting the accurate information, it says up here, uh, if there's a bar and a co-bar, both need to sign. So this application needs to be signed up here. And this, there's a new application and it requires initials down at the bottom. So stuff like that, just not being signed or not initialed in the section, uh, it'll be denied, right? Incomplete. They didn't say what loan you're applying for, what mortgage applied for. Is it the VA 
FHA conventional, the USDA, which is rural. So you can, uh, uh, there are wonderful loans available to purchase farms. Some of you who want to jump into cannabis, <laughs> use a USDA loan. Other And other is if you're doing private money, hard money. And then they'll assign a case number, agency case number, lender case number. This is how they track this loan. Okay, this loan has an official case number and appraisal is attached to, to this. And when they order appraisals um, before the pandemic and appraisal was good for six months, I'm hearing they're now good for three months. The amount you're applying for the interest rate number of months, this, this is called loan terms. And the amortization type, let's see, let me do this real quick. I know if I can't see, you probably can't see. <laughs> there we go, much better. I think it's much better. Is that much better? There we go. Wonderful. Subject property address. When you apply for this, this is, this is usually to be determined. Notice it says number of units. You can use an FHA insured loan that will allow you to put three and a half percent down. FHA, 3.5% down payment with a 580 FICO score. I just gave you a gem. You can purchase up to one to four units. Anything more than one unit is called what? Income property. So can you imagine you can buy a small apartment with three and a half percent down? Repeat that one more time. Make sure I heard what you Yes. Repeat that one more time. With the FHA insured loan. You can, this is a residential, these are residential loans. See this application here says it's a uniform residential loan application. And it is asking what loan type are you using? I am saying you can use an FHA insured loan where the minimum down payment is 3.5% of the purchase price. If you use conventional, you need a FICO score of 680 and they actually have a special conventional loan product that allows you to put down 3%. So right now, if you are not used to, or, or even heard of it, see, I'm, I, I did this in a class and the facilitator or one of the staff said, wait a minute, I thought it was 20% down. Not true. Mm. You can put whatever amount down, that's on you. But the minimums to get your foot in the door, and as we saw on the chart, the cash reserves, not enough money is an issue. And I get it. There's a lot of people carrying debt. It's hard to save that money. But at minimum, 3.5% down. And you can use that to purchase the number of units, units not to exceed four. So one to four units. You can buy a duplex a triplex and a quad, a quadruplex, four units using FHA conventional and VA loans. Yes, if you're a veteran, you can put zero down and buy four units. Wow, okay.
I thought that's what you said. I just wanted to make sure I was writing these notes down. This is, wait a minute, what? This is why I, I was taught, when I said house hacking, I was saying go FHA, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of using your FHA, like say you got this one golden ticket, how do you use this golden ticket to your advantage? They say you can only use this one golden ticket one time right now. And that one time defines you as a first time buyer. If you've had a, if you've written off the mortgage interest in the last three years, in the last three years. So they're going to pull your tax records, right? They want to copy the tax returns. And what they're looking for is two things. They're looking at your AGI, write that down. They're looking at your AGI, which is known as your adjusted gross income. I'm putting it in a chat. And the other thing is they look are looking for is the mortgage interest deduction. They wanna see if you actually have been de um, deducting the interest on a mortgage because you then will not be a first time home buyer by HUD's guidelines. Here's why this is important. Say life happened. Say you're going through it right now and you're saying, you know what? I own a home, it's hard and I, I really don't know if I should keep it. What do I do? Well, you can do a couple of things, right? If you decide it's too much, you wanna start the clock off or you do deed in lieu to foreclosure, you sell it or you're foreclosed on, right? It doesn't mean that three years from now, you can't come back in the game as a first time home buyer. Mm. You get to come back in the game as a first time home buyer and do it all over again and use the FHA insured loan and put three and a half percent down. Wow. And that's another thing. When you think of the term first time home buyers, for most people, that means that this is the first time in my entire life right, that I've ever purchased a, a property, in reality, that doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't. And that's why I always disclaim it. Every time I, I say, you guys know it as a first-time homebuyer loan, but this, it's an FHA insured loan, and based on HUD guidelines, you did not own a home in the last three years. That in itself is a game changer. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I guarantee you, Lisa, that many people, you know, don't know that only because of how number one is 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 title, and then number two, just not knowing the interest as a whole. They think, okay, you know what? It's first time home buyers. You know, I, I purchased a home before. I don't qualify for these loans, but it 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 doesn't mean that. So thank you so much for that. I knew that, but I just you know know that not a lot of people know that so right yeah absolutely and a lot of my eight my industry colleagues don't which is why i always welcome them to be part of the class um is because if the more they know the more people they can help mm -hmm. you're dropping some jewels this morning i promise you i have a whole notebook so okay <laughs> let, me, let me just get started we're gonna wrap it up shortly see so, yep we'll wrap it up shortly um okay so you'll have a lot of this go through it please go through it and just notice. And again, remember we were talking about how the data showed who was denied. It's because when people volunteer the information on their ethnicity and race, that's how it's being tracked and reported. So that's that, all right? So cool, put that away and let's continue reasons for denial. We've got a few, ins insufficient cash. This is where I wanna talk about 
The funds need to show that you can cover the down payment plus the closing costs and fees. And here are the estimates, right? Because I, I get this all the time. How much do I need? How much do I need? How much do I need? Um, I put Bitcoin because Bitcoin is included. Um, you can use Bitcoin to purchase real estate. <clears throat> credit cards, right? Cash advances off your credit card. It's just different things that I've seen people do. Uh, but you've got a paper trail that money. So I do want to make a note in here. The money has to be seasoned at, lit, at least, depending on your lender, some will accept 90 days, some want to see six months. They want to see that money stable. Do not deposit more than $10,000 at one time if you don't have a paper trail of it. For example, you have mattress money and you meet me and you say, all right, Lisa, I'm ready. I got the money and I hear it all the time. And this is my recommendation. Incrementally deposit the money over time. You don't want to, and I get it. See, mattress money doesn't necessarily mean that you it's illegal or you're doing something. It just means you may not trust to put all your money in the bank. That's fine. And you may be sitting on more money uh, under the matches per se, right? Matches money that you're saving outside of a depository institution. But if you come to me and you say you have $100,000 and I say, great, where's the source or where is it sitting? And you say, I have it in cash. Well, we're going to have to be strategic about how do we trail $100,000? I'm, I'm, I'm just not trying to catch a case behind your money. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just be strategic about let's just be uh, let's just be wise let's be wise about that okay I would I suggest that you know create a savings account and incrementally and call it down payment isn't that nice that the bank accounts now you can create your own little pools and little goals in your bank accounts that says down payment new car vacation retirement create a little a bucket right? Call it a bucket in your uh, bank account, online banking, call it down payment and incrementally deposit that money. It needs to be seasoned at least 90 days or up to 180 days, which is six months. Okay. So estimate in terms of the total that you would need is 6% and that could vary up or down. Now here's, I, I don't want you to get I don't want you to have hangups about closing costs and fees. This market in particular, if you don't have all the money, you're going to have a challenge. Here's why. Because it is a seller's market, depending where you are, at least where I'm experiencing in Southern California and California overall. Um, we have a lot of development happening. We are experiencing uh, California is one of the nation's uh, highest homelessness uh, population. We are experiencing a true crisis uh, to the point that um, one of the cities have now removed single family zonings. And so now they're saying you are no longer limited to only one house on your land. We need units. So if you can afford it and build units, do that. The unfortunate thing is, even though we have a homelessness, homelessness crisis, 
it's not necessarily that those units are going to benefit the homeless folks. What people are doing is they're doing short-term rentals like Airbnb and all the other stuff. So I don't really know if that's really the answer. Um, and I, it, it's, it, we're a long ways to, to creating enough units for our population. So in a buyer's market, yes, I was getting closing costs and fees paid by way of a seller credit, meaning the seller would credit. I would ask for it, negotiate it, and even with myself. Um, I will say that if you work with me or my team as a referring partner in your respective states, we will credit uh, up to $800 towards your closing costs. We'll talk about that later. Um, but it's just making sure you, you're dealing with the right folks and the right people. That's all. So I just want to encourage that. Um, same with referrals. I, you know, Our folks get paid for referrals. We can all make money. So don't get caught up. But the down payment, I say 0% because that's a VA loan and up. And I don't, I don't cap you. If you want to put 20% down, 30% down, that's fine. All that does is lower your mortgage payment, which is cool. You may have to do that so that the numbers can work, especially when you're doing income property. The numbers have to work. All right. Employment history. <clears throat> they want to see at least two years of employment. If you're self-employed, they're going to average out the income over a two-year period. So the last two years, their last two years as a self-employed individual, they're going to take that average to come up with a number of how much you are earning. If you don't know what you told, told the IRS, you can't find your taxes, please go get the 4506 and request a transcript of your tax return. Okay, go get that form. Let's see, uh, I wanted to pull it up, here it is. <clears throat> This is what it looks like. 4506, you do have access. Go get a copy of it before you fill this stuff out and look at what you, how much did you say you earned? How much did you write off? What does the AGI say? Isn't that what they ask you to verify, verify your information? For tax year 2018, what was your AGI? That's ex your adjusted gross income is what you earned minus what you deducted. So class, should you apply for a loan if you deducted so much of your expenses because you didn't want to pay the taxes? It reduces your purchasing power. Right, no. You made 80,000 a year and you deducted 20,000, your AGI is 60,000. You're going to be qualified based on 60,000, not 80,000. That is so important to know. Any questions? Cool. Here's what you'll need as an employee. Your W-2 tax form, you paid uh, either one, once a week, every two weeks, once per month or bi-monthly. They want those pay stubs. Usually for the most two recent pay periods. So if you get paid you know, once a week, then that's two, two stubs, right? The more the better, because they want to see the consistency and they want to see your 1040 tax return and your W-2, not your V. That was me, mistyped. that's a typo. Self-employed, 
means you work for yourself, either sole owner, LLC, a partnership corporation. You either receive, you definitely receive a 1099 as a contractor. Mm -hmm. um, and your, excuse me, your income is reported on a K-1 schedule. So they want the K-1s, the 1099s, and your 1040. They need those schedules for your self-employed. And let me say, there truly is a, there, there's truly a, an advantage. And I know right now everybody's trying to be self-employed and entrepreneur. There really is a hack and advantage to being an employee and have a W-2. It is one of the easiest, easiest files to underwrite for lenders. They just look at the numbers. They see how much you earned. It's consistent. And what I've recommended and what I've seen for people who are, oh, I just started my business. Look, hold on to that job until you purchase because your interest rate is even going to be low, lower than if you were self-employed. Why? Because it's job security, job stability the lender is looking at. Self-employed, there's no guarantee. You don't show up, you don't get paid. You don't do the work or a global pandemic happens and you're an industry that's affected. Guess what? You're out of luck. And we have been seeing that. A lot of people have been losing their jobs during escrow. No promises, no guarantees on that self-employed stuff. So reasons, uh, com question, comment? Okay, so reasons for denial, unverifiable information. So details of income, address history, employment, and large withdrawals. The underwriter scrutin all this stuff. It's gotta make sense. They're looking at the entire story of you, where you've been, where you work, what you're doing, who you work for, and your, your deposits and withdrawals. Is it, is it matching up? All right, so managing your credit. Go to annualcreditreport.com if you haven't already. Go sign up. Create your account. I just found out that I someone was using my identity, so I had to pull all my stuff and double check and do everything. I feel really good about it, too. See, you feel really empowered about taking hold of your credit, your fine. I really feel empowered. Um, really have. It, it, you know, and I've gone through the whole thing. The too much debt. Ba uh, I haven't filed bankruptcy. I waited a period of seven years to let that stuff fall off. When when the 2008 housing crisis hit, I was subject to a lot of that. Living off my credit cards, it was all bad. But now I listen. Time has passed. I got it together. So I'm telling you from experience how to recover. I've recovered. It's not the end of the world. Okay. Been there, done that. Been sued and all of that. <laughs> um. Open accounts versus closed accounts. Double check. Make sure the accounts you said are open should be open. The ones that are closed should be closed. Let uh, Pay more than the minimum payment on revolving debts. The lenders don't like to see that you are making the minimum payments. Don't do that. In fact, um, there was new legislation that now when you look at your credit reports, they say, here's what how much interest you're going to pay and how long it's going to take you to pay this off if you keep sending us these minimum payments. Do the math and do not close older accounts once they're paid off. Why? Because you need that for your uh, utilization ratio. You want your utilization ratio. That means how much of your credit line are you using? Please keep it at 30% and under. No more than 30%. 
Oh no, I'm listen, I'm here for it. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Tamika says, great that you can relate to people that may be encountering challenges. Some are embarrassed and quiet. Absolutely. Um, we don't, this is why I'm actually doing the classes is because we're going to learn and share and talk about each other, talk about our experiences, what we've been through and how we've come out of it. Like I've been through so much y'all, so much, so much, so much. Started business, closed business, dissolved stuff, I've so much. And what I know is because how I, I fought it, I, I beat it, <laughs> if you say, and I'm, you know, I'm good. I if there's something empowering. And I went through those because of personal challenges too. Personal life challenges had me not even look at my finances. I said, if they don't want their money, they have to come sue me. And I disappeared. They found me, tried to track me, try to, you know, garnish my wages, freeze my account. No. <laughs> but yes, I'm a real life person. And what I'm sharing, I, there is so much to share and teach you. But for the sake of this class, I want you to have a snippet of what you should be doing. And more importantly, your FICO score is a snapshot of that moment. When they run your credit, they run the FICO score. It says at this moment, this is how you're doing. It is not a reflection of necessarily you, which is why I have issues and I teach the students, my youth groups, um, don't be so judgmental about, you know, because, uh, you know, oh, I got to date somebody with a 700 FICO score. Listen, you don't know what people are going through at that time. Don't be so quick to judge. And I say that because I've been there, done that. It didn't mean that I was a bad person. It meant that I was going through something bad. I was experiencing hardship. I was experiencing real life challenges. Right now, all the people that experience a, a job loss because of COVID and the global pandemic, death, maybe the breadwinners have died. You think those people are bad? No, they're going through something bad. Do you know that their credit is going to be impacted? Absolutely. They can't make their payments on time. They can't keep up with the debt. Yeah. All right. So types of home loans. We'll be covering this throughout the year, just all the time talking about financing. But just as a snippet, these are your Google Googleable words and terms. FHA or 203k rehab loan. Most of you know that FHA loan is a first-time home buyer loan, but guess what? FHA is not a loan. It is a Federal Housing Administration. What do they do? They insure your loan because you're putting less than 20% down. You're considered a risk. For example, we need $100. You have $350. And I'm bringing uh, $950. Who is more at risk? You or me? I'm more at risk because you're only bringing $350 to the table. We need, excuse me, $1,000, right? You're only bringing $350 to the table. I don't know why I can't do math right now. <laughs> $650, there it is. I was doing, I tried 3.5%. Trying to give you an example, you get the point. If you're putting so, so much low, so FHA insures the risk for the lender to give you the loan. They said, hey, if they default, we'll pay you an insurance. File the claim, we'll pay you, we'll pay you a portion of the outstanding loan balance. And that's how you get HUD homes. Those homes that are HUD sales, that's how they happen. Uh, you go, oh, that's where the inventory ends up, yep. VA loans for veterans, conventional loans are home ready. That's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. 
USDA, that's the United States Department of Agriculture loans, and private money, hard money. If all else fails, but you would absolutely want to get it, your foot in the door, um, I don't recommend it unless you have an exit plan for using private money or hard money. We're going to talk about private money uh, later in the year as we talk about investing in real estate using self-directed IRAs, self-directed IRAs. All right, I think I'm right on time. If you haven't got the book, get this book. I got tons of books, but this is a good one right here. It gives you a lot of gems. Um, escrow, repair, negotiation, appraisals, tenant relocations and evictions, borrowers, credit or income profile, net proceeds and create a winning opportunity. Um, that is a contents and sneak peek. Uh, one of my books just fell out of escrow. Top five reasons a property does not sell. I think that has a lot of gems. It's an easy read, a, a great guide. Listen, you have any comments or questions? Um, if not, I will see you next class. My camera will be working right now. I got a new computer. You know, I'm so fresh right now, my technology, but I couldn't get it on, but it's okay. You know what I look like. February 27th at 10 is our next class, Understanding iBuyers and Cash Investors. I will have a special guest investor. It's gonna drop the real about when people say, I wanna buy cash. I think we need to understand that, okay? Uh, Tamika says, the, the books are the bomb. I'm reading both books with my kids in that work and mentoring program. Love it. Thank you. I am so glad you're finding so much value in this. Listen, thank you for spending your Saturday in learning this. I trust there was a lot of added value here that you can share with your tribe, your community to empower somebody. Tell them we're doing this every month. I want to do this as a collective. Let's grow together. Um, you do have access to the files. Uh, let me see. I think that's about it. I'll let you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I'll see you next month. Thank you for this uh, class suggestions. If you come up with any more, just keep adding them and we're going to keep building uh, as we go. And thank you again for uh, joining me. I'll see you guys next time. All right. Take care.